To all our fellow craft beer drinkers, and welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and this week we have a guest joining us because our buddy John is on vacation, so we decided to go ahead and let him free of his duties at Tap the Craft. But we have our Facebook admin extraordinaire, Mr. Chris McKenzie, tonight. Chris, how are you doing? Denny, I'm I'm doing really good tonight, buddy. How are things with you? Well, I'm doing fairly well. Uh, you know we've been chatting, uh, texting back and forth, and I've mentioned that I'm tired of winter already. The snow keeps falling here. I had another inch last night, and it's been drizzling snowflakes all day. So uh, I could be doing better. My back could be doing better if we didn't you know, keep getting the snow drop. I'm, just, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 how how is the snow in tampa uh it's been falling pretty steadily um we've been shoveling a lot of it and uh it, oh wait that's that's our old place we used to live is haven't seen much of it so okay uh, sorry okay so just the white sandy beaches and uh you know nice sun and 70 degree weather that that sounds pretty nice yeah, that's that's about the that's about our struggle right now. Um, it, I got a little sunburn yesterday. Oh, oh man! Well, I mean, how do you get sunburned when you're just tan all year round? I mean, that was hard to do. It's it's from you know being being at a, a football stadium yesterday, being a little higher up, puts you closer to the sun. Ah, high altitude. I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Well, before we get in to some of this, uh, you know, real life stuff. That you want, we want to talk about, of course, and, and our beer. Let's just go ahead and cover a few things for any new listeners we have out there. And I know that we do have new listeners every episode, and I really appreciate everyone joining in and and talking beer with us. But uh, in case you are new to the show, we are Tap the Craft Podcast, and we are an educational podcast focused around celebrating all things craft beer, and of course, helping people along in their craft beer journey. And we are recording. Uh, episode 64 on Monday, January 2nd, 2017. And this week, we are going to discuss possible craft beer trends for 2017. We'll see what is predicted to be craft beering uh, in this year, which is always fun because we never know what to expect. I mean, I think we kind of have an idea what some of the trends from 2016 will most likely continue in 2017, but I'm Excited to find out what some of the craft beer experts out there think new trends will be uh, upon us this year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, John's not here, but, you know, Chris and I, I'm sure that we are going to be able to carry on beer banter talk because I know, Chris, that you also love talking about craft beer. I do. I'm I'm glad John gets some time to uh, spend some time with with family, and I I hope he's... um... He's getting snowed on as well, wherever he may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's in Ohio, and I saw a picture, and I didn't see any snow. So maybe they didn't have a white Christmas this year. It sounds like 
<laughs> yeah, in and around Columbus, they don't get it like we used to in Cleveland. So I, I don't. He might get a little reprieve. Okay. All right. Well, good for him. Good for him. All right. But you know, again, before we get too deep into our conversation, uh, Chris, please tell me that you have something in your glass tonight while we chat. I do, and and I'm sad to say that um, it it's almost gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really good. Uh, I'm drinking um, coconut victory at sea from Ballast Point. Okay. And um, this is uh, an imperial porter from, as most people know, Ballast Point. Uh, really is a 10% beer and it is going down way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> and it, there's only a glass left of it. Uh, it comes in a 22 ounce bottle and it's, well, it's, it's about gone now. Oh my goodness. Wow. And so. You're drinking a pretty big beer for our show. Are you gonna be able to make it all the way through the, to the end? Uh, I'll make sure I, you know, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, you need I'll to figure be, it out. You be a trooper be a for trooper. sure. Right. What about uh, What about you? What are you drinking tonight? All right, Chris. Well, I am also drinking a pretty big beer, and I'll tell you what. This beer surprised me over my Christmas holiday. I picked up one bottle of it just to try, and it's from New Belgium. And it's their Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. And I, I drank this bottle when I f- first got it. And I'll tell you what, uh, this beer totally surprised me. There was so much big, juicy, tropical fruit and, and citrus flavor coming out from the hops of this beer. It just like flooded my mouth like an explosion of hop goodness. And it's 9%, but that 9% is hidden so well, just like that that coconut porter you're drinking. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I loved it so much. The next day I went out and bought a six pack of it because this beer is fantastic. And uh, it, it surprises me because, you know, New Belgium Brewing is one of those breweries that is growing pretty rapidly. And I'm always afraid that when beer, when breweries, craft breweries become too big, they start to lose some of that craftness that that's made them so good and so delicious. But I'll, I'm amazed every time I drink a new, a new New Belgium beer, that they do still put a lot of artisan into their, into their products. And this beer is done really well. And and I just got, I have to praise its, uh, its goodness to everyone out there. That this is a no, this is one of my noteworthy beers. I'm just talking about it now, so uh-huh. I can talk about other beers when it comes to, to that section. But have you tried this beer yet, Chris? Not the, um, not the Voodoo Ranger. As a matter of fact. I, I didn't know Voodoo Ranger existed. I've had their regular Ranger version. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I agree with you. New Belgium, they normally do a really good job. They're pretty consistent on putting out good beers regardless of what it is. Um, I guess this every t- I swear every time you guys put out a new episode, you're talking about another beer that I can get a hold of, and you guys end up costing me money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll just have to go put this on my list so we can uh, – Give it a shot. Yeah, I, I recommend everyone putting this on their list. Now, when I went back to the store to buy the six-pack, I noticed that there was two different colors of the label. The one that I enjoyed, which was the blue label, and then there was a yellow label one. And the names of these two beers looked almost identical, except for one little small detail. And that was the blue label has the Imperial in front of the IPA, which is the 9% version. And then the Voodoo Ranger IPA, which is in the yellow uh, label, it is 7%. So it's a little bit lower. It's like the baby brother 
of the Imperial. But um, And that one's also a good beer, but it didn't have as much of that ex- juicy explosion of those hops that the Imperial had. So the Imperial is definitely, it's a five-cap rating for me. Uh, wow. and, and I'm telling you, this this will be on my list for my top ten beers of next year. Even though it came out at the end of this year, uh, it's going to be on my list for next year for sure. I, I, I'm going to have to write it down now so I don't forget about it. Yeah. Well, the, the guys on the label, it looks like they're wearing different hats too. I mean, I'm oh, surprised are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did not notice the hats. I noticed that, that this is a little bit different type of uh, label style that, that I'm used to seeing. I, I really like the old branding of New Belgium. All the stuff was re- you know, revolved around the bicycle and, and riding your bike through the Belgian streets and countryside. Uh, I like that aspect. They're, they're going with a different look, and it's cutesy. It kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of what something that um, uh, Flying Dog Brewery kind of does with their labels right it's kind of a cutesy yeah. funny looking thing but this is like a skeleton with some kind of boy scout ranger suit on and a, a furry hat with some hot dogs or something i don't know it's like it's like the weirdest <laughs> label ever uh it's almost too kitty for me it's kind of weird but i don't care uh i didn't buy it for the label i bought it for the beer inside and the beer inside is good so i'll i'll let That's the labels. All that matters. yeah yeah <laughs> All right. All right. So I kind of already uh, jumped in to one of my noteworthy beers. But Chris, you are in a up and coming and a, a, a huge craft beer mecca right now in the Tampa Bay area. You have so many great breweries in your area that I'm really envious of. And I am going to have to make a trip. I'm going to take my wife and we are going to make a trip down to Tampa to see you and your lovely wife and to go visit some of these breweries for ourselves. But what kind of beers do you have to share with us uh, that you want to let the listeners know that they should try one day? Well, we had, uh, we have the, like you said, we have the opportunity in the Tampa Bay area. We're very fortunate that um, the last count that I heard, um, the Tampa Bay area really um, covers Tampa, St. Pete and Clearwater. Um, and last I heard, we have around 52 or 53 breweries. Um, and those, that's really all within maybe an hour and a half of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, it's a, I, I swear there's one going in every other month or so. But um, some, of, some of the beers that they put out are just phenomenal, exceptional beers. And it's, it's definitely one of those areas that you're going to want to come to if, if, uh, if you enjoy craft beer at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the, um, one of the noteworthy beers that I had pretty recently, um, was one that was on my, one that was on kind of my wish list. Um, and that was from funky Buddha down in the Miami Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, they have a beer called morning wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, you know, how, you know, I'm a sucker for yeah. beer, craft beer named puns and, this is one I'd have to try just because I love the name. Right, right. Well, they more uh, Funky Buddha has a beer called Maple Bacon Coffee Porter, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's kind of like um, Three Floyds has Dark Lord. They make a day out of it, have a release party, and it's just it's a huge thing down this way. Um, Morning Wood 
is the uh, barrel aged version of their maple bacon coffee porter. Okay. Um, and it, it, I, I rated it no questions five star or five caps uh, on Untapped. Um, oh, nice. <clears throat> and it was it was chocolatey and coffee and the maple syrup really stood out um, as one of the big main players in the beer. Uh, and it 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 was just really. Um, it was really enjoyable. It was kind of like breakfast in a glass. Oh, nice. Yeah. How did, um, what, what kind of, now was it just oak barrel or did it have any kind of distilled uh, beverage associated with it too, like a whiskey or a rye or anything? I want to say it was bourbon barrel. Okay. Um, I don't really recall 100%, but I want to say it was bourbon barrel. Um, they, they seem to stick to bourbon barrels when they do any kind of barrel aging for their beers. Okay. Um, they haven't really strayed too far from that, that, that I know of. Um, so one of the next ones was from out in, uh, where John is right now. And I think you guys actually talked about this brewery either on the mm-hmm. last episode or the previous one, uh, was from Wolf Wolf's Ridge brewing. Yeah. Uh, I had a version of their dire wolf called Canis Mexicanus, ah. uh, which was their, uh, their dire wolf stout. Uh, with uh, cinnamon and some um, chilies mm-hmm. and vanilla in it. Wow! Uh, and that was that. That seems to be a, a trend that I've seen a handful of times in a lot of different beers. I know um, Jackie O's out out that way um, does a version of that. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, um, but the whole um, chocolate, vanilla, chilies, um, that cinnamon um, beer is always turning out to be a, um, a really good combination and the beers always turn out so well with them. Um, and that one, that one I gave uh, four and a half caps to. Yeah. That I've heard, I've heard good things from this brewery, not just from John now from you, but also it appears that a lot of the different people I follow on untapped have been checking into Wolf's Ridge and they've all been giving their beers a, a really good, uh, review so it's it's one of those things if i ever make it back out to ohio in the columbus area i'm going to for sure have to stop by and, and try this this brewery because uh, it seems like it's an up-and-coming you know really nice brewery good beers yeah i had kind of forgotten about it um after we moved down here and i did a trade with a guy who is now a friend of mine um he lives up that way and he was in the tampa area and we did a trade when he came down here and that was one of the things i traded for and then uh, hopefully I'll be able to get some more of that next time I go up and visit family or anything like that. All right. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the next ones was uh, my number 1,000 unique beer on Untapped. So I was really excited to try this one. <laughs> <laughs> Cigar City, another hit local Tampa brewery here, has a, um, I think it's a Russian Imperial Stout okay. called, Marshall's, called Marshall Zukov. Um, and that was aged in apple brandy barrels with Madagascar vanilla beans. Oh, wow. Sounds fantastic. Um, it, there, there were so many different flavors going on in the beer. It was kind of hard to just sit out, sit down and just pick each flavor and go, <laughs> okay, well, oh, there's the vanilla. Oh, there's the brandy. Oh, you can kind of taste the apple in it. I mean, the, there's so many different variants and so many different adjuncts that they've done in that beer. Um, there, there are a ton of different versions of it. Um, and it's just a good solid base beer on its own. Um, and that, that one was another five cap that nice. I gave, nice. um, 
from a friend of mine during a bottle share. Um, and uh, it was it was kind of a fluke that I was trying it because him and his friends were doing a bottle share and I just happened to be at the brewery and I didn't know he was there. <laughs> <laughs> and you just said, here, give me a, give me a little sip of that uh, that beer. Well, no, he came out of the room and he brought me a cup of it. And I said, dude, I didn't even know you were here. He goes, well, that it's nice to see you here. Drink this. And I went, oh, thanks. What is it? And he told me and I was like, oh, wow. Like this is a this is one of those ones that's sought after. Like this is a pretty big, if you want to call it a whale. Oh, wow. Um, in the beer world. And, you know, he's just bringing me random cups of it. Well, you, you have good friends. Good friends. I do. Sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Steven, I love you. <laughs> um, and the last one I wanted to talk about, and this will be a little different. Um, I know the last time that you and I had talked about this type of beer, um, I wasn't too big on them, but I'm kind of working into them a little bit. And it's a Goza. Oh, nice. Um, from Angry Chair, which is, I could pretty much walk to this brewery if I had to. Um, <laughs> and it was their, it was their Five Lives Goza. Um, it was a bottle release that they did, I think, back in the summer. Um, and I don't remember exactly what all their flavors were that were in it or anything like that. I just uh, the notes that I had on it were um, just citrusy and started off. It was a a big citrus in the beginning. Um, and then it was nice and tart with a you know a tart finish at the end. And it was just really easy to drink during a hot summer day. And, oh, yeah. uh, my wife was a little upset cause she didn't get as much of it as she wanted. Cause <laughs> I drank it all. And, uh, when we went back to go buy more bottles, they were sold out and, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get that again. So, <laughs> but, uh, I gave that one, I think I gave that one, uh, four and a half caps on untapped. So, wow. Break- breaking into the sour category a little at a time so what well you know what chris i am very proud of you because you're right on the last time you were on you were not all into the sours and the tarts and and stuff so you've made a big leap in a short amount of time to be able to now you know enjoy a tart or sour beer enough like you did with this angry chair so it's just the beginning it shows how your uh, how people's and yours in, in particular how your palates change over time the more beer you drink and the more styles you get exposed to the more easier it has become to uh, to be able to drink these different beers and enjoy them so i'm, I'm glad that your journey is is leading you down to sours now yeah definitely if if people are looking to get into that kind of style um i'm still not really on board with the whole um you know, the whole Brett beer and things like that. I, I still try them every time my wife orders them or if somebody has one. Um, but, you know, like the Berliner Weisses, the, those are a really good start. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the Gozas are a really good start. Um, and then a lot of the a lot of places around here, if you order a Berliner Weiss, they will actually put like a fruit flavored syrup in it, like raspberry or mango or watermelon or something like that in it. Hmm. Um, and it... Um, you know, it changes the beer altogether, but you still get that that tart uh, yeah. flavor in it. Yeah, so it's a good place to start with with those if if people are looking to get into those. And I, I'm trying for the love of beer. It's it's you know, <laughs> I do it I, I do it for the beer. So well, you're doing good. You're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what about you, Denny? What have you been trying lately that uh, that's that's been uh, making your list? Okay. Well, I have a few. I think I have four beers myself that I want to share. And the first one is an Idaho brewery up in the northern Idaho 
area in Wallace, Idaho. It's called Wallace Brewing. And I've mentioned Wallace Brewing a couple times on the show because this is a brewery that we've just started getting this year down in the Boise area because Boise is in the southern uh, portion of Idaho and, and Wallace, of course, is up north. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed almost every beer I've had from it. I think that they make, you know, small brewery makes really good beers. I really, you know, I, I, I enjoy them. Well, this is a beer that uh, is a limited release. In fact, it, well, let me tell you what the beer is before I get too carried away because I'll just start <laughs> rambling on. But it's, it's the Vito Oak Aged American Strong Ale. So it's an American strong ale style that was aged in oak barrels. And it wasn't any bourbon. Or, I don't think they were bourbon or anything. They were just regular oak, just give you a nice oaky flavor, I believe. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, in fact, I'm... Well, if I, I can't find the bottle right here, I should probably get the bottle and find out for sure. I think it's just oak barrel age. But this beer was surprised me. It was I got number like two fifty six or two fifty eight out of one thousand. Only one thousand bottles were were uh, were released. Wow. And and literally I got I got, you know, two hundred the number two hundred and fifty six I think it was. And I'll tell you what, I love a good American strong ale. And now strong ales can be hit or miss for a lot of people because they usually have a big malt uh, flavor uh, followed by a little, you know, a bit of a bitterness to it because you want to kind of counteract that malt kind of like almost like a, like a mini or a, a, a baby barley wine kind of type mm-hmm. uh, scenario. But I love strong ales and this one was everything in a strong ale. I enjoyed with the Oak profile in there too, that just gave it that extra you know, you know, I don't know. I can't think of the word, but what, you know, wow factor. And, uh, this is a 22 ounce bottle and I drank this sucker down. I mean, fast too. And it was, I think it was about a 9% beer, nine or 10% beer. And it, it went down really, really easy and tasty. And I gave it five caps. And again, this beer came at the end of 2016 for me. So of course it didn't make the 2016 list, but it will be, possibly on my 2017 list because uh, it, it, it is worthy of, of being one of my, my favorite beers of a year, maybe. But we'll see. We'll see how many other great beers come out in 2017 to, to yeah. sway me differently. That one sounds really good. Um, and I'm with you on that one. The Strong Ales, it, it, they are. They're like, a, they're like a, a bit of a different version than a barley wine, mm-hmm. but they're still really good. Um, are you, are you, do you know if this one was award-winning or not? I don't take any medals or anything like that because I mean I know there was that one strong ale that that you and I have both had that's that, that's award winning. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I don't believe they have won anything. We did, I mean, they weren't one of the. I, I at least nothing was written on their bottle. So a lot of times they'll put them on a bottle if it's if it does win an award. So I don't think it has won an award. But I'll tell you what, if this beer would have been entered into a uh, into a contest, I guarantee they they would have won something. It's it's really good, but yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it, they've won anything uh, officially in the in the big beer uh, so, contest. So what you're saying is it's good, but it's not loose cannon good. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right, my next beer is from a local brewery here in the Boise area, and I've mentioned this brewery many times. It's Edge Brewing. I really enjoy their stuff. In fact, they just started canning their beer this week. 
or last week, I guess. This week is Monday. We're recording, so it's obviously can't be uh, this week. But it was last week they started canning their beer, so I'm hoping to be able to get more of their beer uh, available to me from the grocery stores now. But this one is is not going to be canned. They're only canning two beers right now. But this is their low tech black IPA, and um, Edge Brewing always amazes me. Sometimes. Uh, they'll do things that are really good. Some things not so good. This one they did really, really well, and it is a great black IPA. Almost, I would say it's it's in the range of imperial black IPA because I believe the alcohol level was nine percent, and that's a big IPA. So I think this would be called a, a imperial black, and yeah. uh, it had a big piney uh, hop. Uh, dry hop flavor in there. It had, I mean, it had big, big piney hops with that little bit of that subtle dark roasted malt that I I really enjoy in a black IPA. This one blew my socks off. I was really surprised at how good and how actually easy drinking it was too. For being again a nine percent beer, uh, it was super easy to drink, and I, I enjoyed uh, this beer with my daughter. Actually, went out to Edge Brewing. And enjoyed some beers together, and and uh, she didn't like it as much. Um, she she's still um, trying to get her her hop, you know, trying to get into the hop thing. She loves malty beers. Brown ales are her favorites. She also enjoys porters, and she does do some stouts. But if they're too strong of stouts, she kind of steers away because that's too much on her palate. But uh, IPAs, she can drink them, but she's doesn't really like them very much. And this one kind of fell too much into the IPA range for her. So she, you know, I think she gave her like a three cap rating on Untap. So it's it's definitely a beer for people who uh, enjoy good, hoppy, bitter beers. She'll get there. Yeah, she will. She will. The next beer is one that I was uh, surprised that I had an opportunity to try. It's from a brewery that I've never had a beer from them before. And I've been wanting to have their beers for a long time. But it just turns out that one of our great listeners out there, like you, Chris, has uh, decided to send John and I some beer for Christmas. And the beer came right before Christmas, like I think the day before Christmas, uh, which was fantastic timing. And th- this beer is, is a Michigan beer, and it's from our buddy Tim Price in Michigan. He wanted to share some Michigan love with us. And it's the Dark Horse Brewing Four Elf Winter Warmer. And uh, he sent this to me because he knows how much I love winter warmers. And this beer is a little bit different than the winter warmers that I normally gravitate towards. And this one has a little bit more spiciness to it. Um, and, I, and when I say spicy, I don't. I, I kind of want to say like maybe some spruce or some kind of a of a maybe a spruce spicing to it or some kind of, something like that that gives it uh, a little bit of a flavor. But it was different than what I'm used to, but it was fantastic. I really enjoyed this beer, and I'm really appreciative of Tim for taking the time and, and effort to send us beer and to send me a beer that I really enjoyed. I gave this one a, a four-cap rating. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. So have you had the, the 4L from Dark Horse Brewing, uh, Chris? Uh, I have I have not. Um, I've, I've had a lot of – well, not like a lot, but I've, I've had a handful of things from Dark Horse um i'm actually looking at my untapped list now um they have a really good um their imperial stouts called plead the fifth okay um, that's a really really good solid one um and i think i've also had the barrel aged version of it as well um and that's i remember that one was um 
way too easy to drink at about eleven <laughs> percent, um, and that was one of the one of the beers that we got when we still lived in Ohio was, was a lot of dark horse stuff. Um, they had one called Scotty karate, Oh wow! <laughs> which, which was, I think it was a scotch ale, um, that I remember liking a lot. Uh, so they, they have, uh, they have a good line of beers that, that if, uh, if, if Tim's willing to send more out or you're happen to be in the area, I would definitely go ahead and try to get a hold of some more. <laughs> Not of that you have to, Tim, just saying. Um, but yeah, they, they do, they do some good stuff. Um, everything that I've ever had from them, I think, uh, from what I'm seeing here, I, I rated at least, um, yeah, at least three and a half caps. Okay. Yeah. So. It's a strong, strong brewery. So it's, It'll be when I when I visit Michigan, then I will uh, you know I, I have a number of Michigan breweries that I must visit when I when I visit Michigan. So uh, this is one of the ones I'm hoping to visit uh, whenever I make yeah. that trip. Yeah, you better uh, you better take some extra vacation time for Michi- for breweries in Michigan, <laughs> just like you're going to need it here in Tampa. Okay, okay, so so I'll make sure I I have plenty of time. Don't want to shortchange myself. Okay, so my last noteworthy beer that I want to mention is one that I have seen on Untapped for the last month and was looking everywhere for it. And it's a it's a brewery that actually gets distributed in Boise, you know, in our area. And I was just surprised I wasn't seeing it. The reason why is maybe because their only the distributor is only servicing certain uh, venues, and the venues is like Albertsons. Uh, I found out that it's Albertsons uh, stores, grocery stores. And so it's from Bridgeport Brewing, and it's the Stumptown Oatmeal Red Ale, and uh, it, and it's on it's like O R A is the acronym that they use on it. And I I've been seeing people uh, check into it, and I was like, gosh, how come I can't find this beer? I was looking at my bottle shops, at the co-op, everywhere, and I, but I wasn't looking at Albertsons. And I ran into Albertsons to pick up something, and I saw they had it, and I grabbed a six pack. And as soon as I went home, I popped open a bottle of this, and I and I loved it. It's it's like the perfect red L, uh, with an oatmeal uh, body that gives you that little bit of that silky, heavier body, uh, big you know, bigger mouthfeel to that red L, with a nice balance between the malts and the hops that you have a little bit of that hoppy finish, but you still get that malt flavor that you need to have in in a red L or an amber. Uh, I drank, I literally almost drank that whole six-pack the night I bought it, went and bought two more six-packs after I, I found it because um, this is a go-to beer for me. I have really enjoyed this over the last couple weeks that I've been, uh, that I found it, and uh, I, I'm hoping that this is a uh, not just a seasonal release, I hope this is one of the regular releases that I can enjoy all year round because this is a beer that there's no reason you couldn't drink it any time during the year. It's just very refreshing, very satisfying, very easy to drink. So, Chris, do you get Bridgeport beers in the Tampa area or or not? Sadly, no. Um, but that that sounds like um, one that I'll have to look for next time. Or, you know, next time we're out on the West Coast, or uh, as far as I know, we're still planning on heading up there um, September, October of next year. So we'll. We'll see if we can't find some. Okay. But uh, do you do you? So it sounds like you kind of do what I do every time that I go into the grocery store, regardless of whether I need beer or not. I always go look at their beer selection. Of course. And it, it's 
it's kind of like going grocery shopping if you're hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You end up buying stuff that you don't really need, but you got to try it. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's there. It's new. The package is shiny, and it's they did a good job with the marketing and the labeling, and now I got to take it home and try it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I And it's, it, it's a problem because my wife, she's so supportive is that she will say, hey, you want to go down the beer aisle and, and look at what beer they have while, I, while she goes and, you know, picks up a couple things? And I always say yes. Because, like you mm-hmm. said, you, I want to see what new thing popped up that you know that is something that I might enjoy. And a lot of times, I'm I'm very pleased at what it does pop up and what I do find. I always will go to, especially breweries that I really gravitate towards. Bridgeport Brewing is one of my favorite breweries from early on in my craft beer journey. If you remember back to the early shows, I mentioned that Bridgeport IPA. Is a, is was my go-to IPA for many years at the end of the 1990s, early 2000s. I drank that beer nonstop. I mean, that's the only beer I drank because it was that was the IPA available to me, and I I loved it. Bridgeport makes the Stumptown tarts that every year that I I get, and I love it. There are different versions of tarts. Some there's like a tart saison, some are tart. Um, you know, sours and and such. I love I love that beer. I love their uh, Hopzar, I think, is one of the ones they do. They do a bunch of different beers. They're all really good. And so whenever I go into the grocery store, if I see something from a brewery I, I enjoy, I'll, and if I haven't had it, I'll grab a six-pack. And there's not a lot of – I won't grab a six-pack of something of a brewery typically nowadays that I never heard of. I'll usually grab one bottle of it, and if I enjoy what they have, you know, what, what that – beer was i'll go grab a six pack after that just so i can you know i don't want to be burnt and, you know six packs cost a lot of money now and i'd rather buy a six pack of something i know i'm going to enjoy than something that i'm going to be disappointed in and and where i could have spent that money elsewhere so uh, but yeah the grocery store it's uh it, it's definitely a, a problem for me because i end up always picking up a six pack of of something that that looks interesting yeah, that's it's it's a big issue I have because my wife's the same way as she'll say, "Hey, I heard about this brewery doing another release. Did you go get a bottle?" And I went, "Well, no, I'm trying. You know, we trying to you know not spend so much money this month." And she's like, "Why? Why did why didn't you go down there?" And she's like, "You drive by it every day coming home from work. I don't know why we don't have that bottle in our refrigerator." So um, either she's gonna drive me to be an alcoholic or bankrupt <laughs> or both. I'm not sure. Exactly. So. <laughs> I, I feel I feel your pain, and I, and that's uh, later in the show. I'm going to mention uh, 2017 um, resolutions, and uh, keep that in mind. Which what we just talked about because that's that's going to be on my list of resolutions for this year. Okay. All right. So, Chris, since John is not here, and I know that you're all about Team John, why don't you go ahead and uh, let us know if John was able to surpass me in the Untapped Challenge? Well, John has been do you know working his hardest, um, and and I will say I, I'm sorry, Denny, but I, I I fight for Team John. I root for Team John. <laughs> I got the Team John T-shirt, and um, and. <laughs> And as of midnight on January 1, he was one unique beer behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you may be losing your throne here very, very shortly. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I still won. His goal was in 2016. He was going to pass me up. So. Oh, so I didn't know. I didn't know that it was 2016. <laughs> I didn't remember hearing that. It's okay. Uh, he, he's he's passed me up before when he was on a a, a binge. He you know there was a like three years ago he went and he he passed me up. And then he like totally stopped drinking for like three months, I think. <laughs> so I got oh, back wow. up and and surpassed him. But uh, I'm hoping that's not the case this time, where uh, you know he'll keep drinking and keep you know he'll pass me up, and we'll you know we'll be battling each other back and forth over this next 2017. That's what I'm hoping. We we have a nice uh, uh, gentlemanly uh, battle, I guess, contest. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think. I think the fight's gonna be good, and, and you guys will. Uh, it. Like I said, you, you just do it for the beer. It's, yeah, I do it for the yeah. beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know what? Um, we got carried away with talking about beer. I was gonna split the beer a little bit of the beer talk up with just kind of some real life uh, conversation because we did just go through Christmas and New Year's, and I just wanted to see. If you had anything special you want to talk about, uh, anything fun that you may have uh, done during uh, the Christmas time frame or New Year's time frame, and any new beers uh, or, or beer gifts you may have gotten over Christmas, and is there anything like that you want to talk about? Yeah, we uh, we we had uh, some friends in town from Ohio, actually uh, uh, guys I used to work with, and um, they were here for the weekend just to come visit. Um, went to a couple of local craft beer bars for New Year's Eve. And, um, I swear we, we must've racked up a, uh, you know, $150, $200 tab for just Uber this, this past oh weekend, my God. <laughs> all the different places that we all went, um, you know, between the, the different places that were open and, uh, the, we're, we're so fortunate where the, the area that we just moved into, um, there's, there's so many different places that are popping up that are just that's what they focus on is craft beer and that, you know, they're 20, 30 taps of nothing, but, you know, good, uh, not all local stuff, but, but good selections and stuff in bottles and cans. And I mean, it's just so hard to, to choose anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came into town specifically to go to the Tampa Bay and pardon the dog. If you hear him barking, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game yesterday against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, I was happy to say that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took home a win yesterday and um, they were a little upset that they flew a thousand miles to come see their team lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it was, it was good to have them in town. Uh, hadn't, they actually helped us move down here. So I haven't seen them for about a year. And uh, we're just happy. We were happy to have them here and spend some time with them. Um, and that was that was pretty much our holidays. Um, we, you know, Megan and I don't really exchange gifts too much as far as you know, like holidays go. We just kind of get each other stuff all year long and just you know during doing gift exchanges and stuff during Christmas. They're just kind of another day for us. We get to spend some time together and um, just enjoy just enjoy time with each other. So. That's that's really what we do. We uh, we we did go step foot on the beach on Christmas Day. I saw that. Um, so I mean, I think I think that we're going to need to make that kind of a normal Christmas uh, gathering um, down at the beach anymore because the water is a little cold, but it's still nice to be you know put up a tent and just kind of relax out there with some food and a couple of drinks. So um, 
uh, win- winter has been a, a beautiful thing. We're, we're excited <laughs> about that lately. And then uh, I've had some friends of mine who be like, you, you talk a little too much about you living in Florida and then it's warm <laughs> there. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry I do. But you know what? I'm, that that was the one big thing that we that we left Ohio for just to get away from that and for, for Megan to take the job that she did and all that good stuff. So uh, if, if, if the people don't like it, well, then they're just going to have to come down here and enjoy it with us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what about you? What did you guys do over the holiday season? All right. Well, I pretty much spent the holidays. I took... I took uh, 11 days off, which I don't do that very often. But during the holiday, uh, when my family's together, I like to spend as much time as I can. So my daughter came uh, down from, or came over from college for a week. She stayed a, a full week. And uh, we got to spend some time together, do our Christmas shopping. We have our, our normal Christmas Eve father-daughter Chris, uh, shopping trip that we go to. And this year... Uh, like last year too, I think the same thing happened last year. You know, it snowed a bunch on Christmas Eve, so we're out there trying to, you know, get to the sh- shopping centers and all the parking lots and everything are just covered in six inches of snow, and everyone's driving like crazy and parking like fools. And uh, it was uh, it was fun. We we got in, got our stuff done, and and got out. Uh, we also got to visit a couple breweries. You know, not any new breweries, but new breweries to my daughter. She had never been to. Uh, Edge Brewing, which I mentioned earlier. So I took her there, and and she had a flight of four beers. uh, Actually, five beers. She had one extra flight, or one extra beer on top of the four that she had to try some of their beers. She really enjoyed them. And like I said, she she gravitates towards the darker malted beers. She did have that Imperial, or that Black IPA. I'm calling it Imperial Black, even though they didn't officially call it that. But she didn't like that one much. She said it did get better as it warmed up, which is the key to all... Enjoying all good craft beer is is don't drink it cold, cold. And sometimes the beer comes out a little bit too cold at some of these breweries. And that's probably one of my – the one thing that I have uh, against a lot of the breweries here in town is their beer comes out way too cold. Now, I understand that they do that because the majority of people, uh, if they don't have a cold beer, they don't think they're getting quality beer for whatever reason. But for me, uh, it's if it's too cold, I have to – wait till it warms up a little bit so I can fully, you know, enjoy what it has to offer. And she also appreciates letting things warm up. So she said that beer did taste better warmed up. We also, you know, she got to try uh, a couple different stouts or porters. There's a pug face porter, which I've mentioned before. It's a rye porter, very good. And a Baltic porter, very smooth, full flavored, maltiness, malty goodness coming from that Baltic porter. Uh, she tried uh, a Scotch ale. Which is uh, uh, wait? Did she have a Scotch ale at the edge? I can't remember now. I don't know she had a few few beers there. I really enjoyed it. We also went to Mad Swede Brewing, which is the newest brewery opened in the Boise area, right down the street. Now it's not within walking distance. It's still probably five miles from my house, but it's the closest brewery to my house, which makes me happy because it's actually on the way home. If I take another route uh, to get home, I can I drive by it. And uh, they make some fantastic beer. It's, it's all Viking-themed. And all their names of their beers are all Viking-themed. They, they just released an Imperial Stout, which is pretty tasty, and a Scotch Ale, which is very tasty. And she went ahead and had a flight of five beers there, too, I believe. And, uh, and she really enjoyed She She actually tried the pale, and, and I, uh, I think she, she added a pale 
uh, to our list on that one and, and tried something a little different and, and enjoyed it. So it's nice to be able to share craft beer with my daughter. So that's one of the things I'm grateful for, and, and my son too, but um, he's been busy working and stuff, and, and uh, he hasn't been able to join me for, for too many of these outings. Um, I also got a couple beer-related gifts for Christmas. I got uh, from Payette Brewing, uh, I got two 22-ounce uh, bottles of beer. I got their uh, Imperial Stout, their 10-gauge Imperial Stout, the regular version for 2016, and I got their Mexican uh, chocolate version, which is kind of like what you were mentioning, that nowadays a lot of breweries are adding some of that cinnamon and chilies and uh, chocolate flavor to their Imperial Stouts and making a really good Mexican chocolate stout beer. So I have two mm. of those bottles. Now I'm waiting for my son for the opportunity to share those with him because these beers were both available at the Black Friday event that we went to. So I've already had the had them at that event, but uh, I, I want my my son wasn't able to come with us on the Black Friday event. So I want to make sure he's able to share uh, these beers. So I'm waiting for him to have the opportunity to, to share them with me so we can enjoy them together. But those were some uh, some nice gifts and I got a couple beer glasses from my son. Uh, with, with some sayings on them, and, and one has a, uh, a a guy with a big beard, like a beer beard, and so I thought it was pretty cool because I'm kind of a big beard guy myself. So uh, <laughs> it's a big it's a big giant mug that I, will come Oktoberfest will serve me well for all that Martzen Lager I'll be drinking in it. But yeah, that was pretty much my uh, my holiday, just shoving a lot of snow, staying in, staying out of the cold. Drinking lots of great beer. Well, good. That sounds like a that sounds like a good holiday to me. <laughs> I'm uh, I, th- I think it's definitely cool that you that you're getting your you take your kids into uh, into the craft beer world because um, I think uh, I follow Haley on Untapped and she's been checking into some pretty awesome stuff. It looks like that she's been enjoying a lot of good craft beer with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's now I've been giving her a bad time because she's been drinking beers. And not logging them in untapped. I I said, hey, don't be lazy. Check oh, in. Oh come check on, in. Haley. <laughs> yeah, call her out. So uh, she'll she'll be peer pressured in. It takes thirty seconds. Uh, it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, and then then I, I I I guilted her into checking in, and then she didn't even put a description on. I said, oh come on, you didn't even put a description. So I was just, I don't know, I was just giving her a bad time. Well, I'll, I'll fess up and say that there are, there are more times than not that I will, I'm sorry, that I will check in, I will put a rating on it, and there will be no description. Um, <laughs> normally, and this is no, in my defense, normally it's because that there, I have been enjoying so many craft beers in a responsible manner that I don't know if I could type um, something <laughs> that would be... Um, <laughs> that would make much sense to me later on in maybe the next day or so. So um, maybe I'll consider going back to edit some of my previous untapped logins. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you know, you just went over a thousand check-ins, which is fantastic. And wasn't it, I mean, just this earlier in the year, 2016, weren't you only like at 300? Did you literally drink 600 beers last year? Um, it sounds crazy. I'm not going to say no. (laughs) Um, so I think my first year, 
I want to say in my first year on Untapped, and this is again to to um, I'm going to give credit to the uh, local grocery store that was near us where we lived in Ohio. Yeah, um, we could get like a four four beer tasting flight for like five bucks, and their taps rotated like every day. Yeah, so. Um, I want to say that I got three or 400 in the first year. Maybe I may even hit 500 in the first year. Okay. That really wasn't a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, there, there were a few okay. uh, that popped up, uh, in the last year. It's, <laughs> it's quite possible there could have been that many in a year. I mean, like I said, we, we, uh, our, our life pretty much revolves around beer, and then I get peer pressured from my wife to go buy other <laughs> bottles. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You have a, you buy it? Yeah, you have a good wife. I, I'm the same way, so we have good wives. Yeah, she <laughs> takes good care of me and, and forces me to drink good things. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to uh, review some feedback we had on the show, and we had a new listener that uh, was very active, very active on Twitter, very active on Untapped. Had a great time chatting with her, and and she was, uh, well, you know what? Let me just go ahead and read her feedback so that you guys can hear it for yourself. So this is from Amanda at Try to Stay Upright on Twitter. She writes in on, on Twitter. She says, first-time listener last night from Kansas to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. About 100 beers along the road trip. You'll be hearing from me, exclamation point. P.S., Please send some takeout. I have no room for food. And she sent a picture <laughs> along with her tweet of her refrigerator. Now, she has a, a huge refrigerator with uh, French doors. And you open the French doors, and all you see in her fridge is beer. I mean, her entire refrigerator is, 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 is full of beer, except for there's one jar of garlic in there, too. So I, I wrote back, giving her a bad time, that, yeah, it looks like you're going to have to live off of a beer and garlic diet. Uh, because I thought it, it was sounds like <laughs> sounds like the girl's got her priorities in line. I mean, garlic's <laughs> one of the best best things to put in food and beer. Um, you can go with takeout. Yeah. That way you'll have yeah. beer to pair with all your takeout. Yeah, yeah. So um, she also wrote and said she stopped by Wooden Bear Brew in Greenfield, Indiana. She had uh, three growlers later, starting with the Maze Runner Cream Ale at home. So far, so good. It's a great little place with knowledgeable staff. Total towny bar, cozy and welcoming, and that's uh, and we we talked back and forth on uh, that little bit of uh, information she gave. And for one thing, I love that what what makes me come back to a brewery over and over again is the feel that I get when I'm there. If I go into a brewery in a bar and I feel like I'm welcomed. And that the the people that are there are knowledgeable, and they want to feed me knowledge about their beer, and they know about their beer, and they know, you know, they they ask questions and and find out more about you, and make you feel like you're part of the family. That is a place that I will gravitate to every time. If I go into a place and it's cold, they just want to serve me up some beer, don't care about me, just stay behind the bar, don't say a word. You know what? Uh, my experience is going to be a lot less enjoyable. And I'm, you know what ends up happening? I end up en- not enjoying the beer as much, and I end up rating it lower because it's all about the the beer is, is beer. But if the experience is bad, that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And that sometimes, to me, gravitates to whether I enjoy the beer or not based on, on how I'm feeling in the, in the environment. So um, how about you, Chris? Do you feel the yeah. same way? 
Yeah, definitely. The servers can definitely make or break, whether it's a, a bartender or, a, you know, a, a table server, um, you know, if they have a good knowledge of their product and mm -hmm. they have, um, <clears throat> and they're just outright friendly and they make you feel welcome there. It, it, it definitely makes the experience better. It makes everything more enjoyable. Um, and, you know, anytime you feel welcome in a place, you know, you're always going to want to go back. You're always going to want to, you know, talk about how, um, how well you like the place. You're going to refer people to it. Of yeah, course. And yeah. It's, you know, you want to, you want to feel like you belong there and that, that always, always has a big impact on not just, I don't want to say the flavor of the beer, but how much you enjoy, enjoy the beer, how much you enjoy, you know, spending your money there. Yeah. It's, it's one of the big things that, that you want to make sure that if you're spending your money there, um, that you're getting a lot out of it. Yeah. Not just good beer too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's about the experience. That's what we're paying yeah. for. So, okay. She continues on. This is just a, just some of the interaction that we had her and I over at Twitter. She says, next up, the wooden bear dry Irish stout, warm and fuzzy. And she, <laughs> and she adds, I'm quote, Amanda was here on untapped. So far, my one friend is my husband. Her husband is Kevin and he's throw one deep on untapped. So, that's an invitation to all of our listeners out there. Amanda needs some untapped friends. Go out there and befriend her and share your beers with her and let her share uh, with you. She and, and her husband, Kevin, are both doing a fantastic job of interacting on Untapped, and, and I'm enjoying their descriptions and the beers that they're drinking. So, uh, hey, go out there and be friends with them. Let her, give her more than just uh, the three friends that she has right now. That would be great. I'm, I'm doing that right now. I'm actually, I'm actually on my phone right now doing it. <laughs> All right. Thank uh, you, Chris. These guys, they, they sound like they're hardcore into their beer. I mean, you go on a road trip and you buy a hundred beers. I mean, <laughs> Kansas to Pittsburgh. That's like, that's a couple of days trip and you're stopping in, in between to pick up beer. I, I just want to shake your hand and be your friend. Really. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my, my sentiments. Exactly. I was very impressed. They, they knew how to impress me. Uh, and I'm not impressed easily, so that's pretty good. Oh, I found her. Here we go. Okay, good. <laughs> also, um, she says, just wait until I tell you where we picked up two cases in Weston, Missouri. It's one of the coolest places I've been. And I've seen some of the beers that they've posted from Weston. So I think one of the breweries is Weston Brewery. I think that was one. So I'm looking forward to, to our interaction and, and hearing about these great breweries that she visited in in missouri uh, i i haven't been to any breweries in missouri i've had beer from missouri uh but i haven't actually gone on a on a brewery tour there yet so maybe i need to stop stop by weston one day so amanda also posted a link on our facebook page or i'm sorry not on our facebook page i should i should repost it on the facebook page if i was uh if i was good like that i'd do that chris uh Maybe you can search my our Twitter and get the get the article posted on our Facebook for us <laughs> because I, you know how good I am with Facebook. I'm not very good at yeah. it at all. So, but uh, she she on our Twitter um, feed she posted an article. It's a very very nice article on the history of the IPA, and it's from theeconomist.com. And the article is called "A History of the Authenticity of Global Beer," and. Um, I'm going to have a link in our show notes, so keep that in mind. Any links that we talk about will be in the show notes, and uh, you can find them on our uh, uh, on our post on openforumradio.com. 
and you can just click and go right to the articles in case you want to read them for yourself. And this one's a, a lengthy, it's a lengthy read, but very educational. And I thought that I had read enough about the IPA back in the time to understand everything that went on. And this article actually taught me a few things that I didn't realize were true about the the birth of the IPA and, and all the, the, the marketing and the... Um, I don't know the fine, the the way I'm not, I'm going to stop right there. Just go read the article because I'm not going to be able to explain it very well. And thank you, Amanda, for uh, you know for all the interactions and of course for posting that article. We really appreciate it. I was going to say I'm putting it on the page right now. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting it taken care of. Amanda, thank you very much for uh, for giving us some more content for the page. <laughs> all right, we had uh, some interaction on Untapped. And uh, I've been following uh, now. Now, if I if I mess up your name, just let me know because it could go either way. It's either Johan Halberg or Johan Halberg. And on Untapped, he says, "Thanks for a great podcast. I just subscribed and have lots of listening ahead of me. Our first, and this is uh, pretty much our first confirmed." Uh, listener from Sweden. Now, I think we have a couple listeners from Sweden because our numbers from Sweden are pretty high. So I think that we're actually getting uh, two or three listeners from Sweden. But now I know for sure that uh, Johan is uh, is one of them. And uh, we also, just to let you guys know, in case you're wondering, we do have a lot of global listeners out there. Uh, and we have a ton of listeners in the UK, in Canada, we also have a, a bunch in South America, or no, South Africa, not South America, South Africa. We do have some from South Africa or South America too, but they're a smaller number. Um, Germany, Australia, Israel, and in France. Those are our big global numbers. So we are a global podcast, and I just want to throw out to all of our global listeners out there: please take the time, if you can, to write into us and let us know about your experiences in your country and the craft beer movement that you guys are experiencing and what you like about the show and what you'd like to see more. I know that we pretty much focus most of our beer talk on U.S. Uh, beers because that's what you know what we get in the United States. But um, feel free to ask us questions or talk about your experiences. We'd love to have your interactions on the show too. Yeah, I would definitely love to see some uh, <clears throat> some around-the-world uh, craft beer news and some uh, – some things that people are enjoying all over the world because I mean, like you said, we only we only get access to what we have here. I mean, we get a very small portion of the import market, and mm-hmm. it, that that'd be really awesome to see. So please please share your experiences with us on our Facebook page and then Twitter and um, whatever wherever else we can we can uh, share those experiences with you. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? As Chris mentioned, you can do that comment or write in your experiences through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest for you guys to, to utilize. You can also do it on Twitter at tapthecraft, like Amanda did. Amanda reached out to me on Twitter, and uh, that was fantastic. We really appreciate that. And, of course, feel free to follow us on Facebook and leave any uh, postings on our wall at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And uh, Chris is very active on our Tap to Craft page, and I try to be very active, uh, but Chris is usually on top of it before I get to it. So, But, hey, we both interact on there. Uh, let us know, and we'll get you on the show. Well, i got to have something to do at work. 
We also want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we believe you will find more great content from some of the other great shows offered, like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please, remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now it's time for our Brew Buzz segment, and this is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And this week, we are going to discuss the 2017 craft beer trends, or predicted trends, uh, from a couple articles that our good buddy Chris McKenzie, who's on the show tonight, he helped us come up with this with this uh, topic, and he provided a couple articles and these are two articles that kind of revolve around the same uh, topic, but coming at it a little bit different. And I thought they were, they were both very good, so we're going to talk about both of them briefly. But again, we're going to have the links in the show notes. So uh, there's a lot more detail that you'll find on the web pages themselves instead of what we're going to. We're going to briefly talk about it because we don't have uh, enough time to talk in detail. So the first article is coming from the Bon Appetit, and it's by Joshua Bernstein. And we've had Joshua Bernstein articles on the show before, so he's always a good uh, guy to, to uh, review. And this is the article is called Six Beer Trends to Look Out For in 2017. And he basically has 10, 10 trends that, uh, that he, you know, I think he wants to see or he's predicting that we'll see in 2017. And, we'll, and Chris, we'll go ahead and we'll alternate between each, each uh, item. So I'll go ahead and start with the first one. And the first one he mentions is, hey, fall beers move away from the pumpkin and more towards lagers, especially the Martzen during uh, the Oktoberfest season. And I like this guy already. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> we've, we've already seen this trend in 2016. 2016 pumpkin beer offerings were a fraction of what they were in 2015. I mean, I was surprised that I, I wasn't overwhelmed with pumpkin beers. And now, of course, we went to the Pumpkin Beer Festival, and there's a lot of pumpkin beers to be had there. But as far as regular offerings you see in your bottle shop and in at the, at the local breweries and stuff, there weren't as many as we've seen in the past. So I think this trend has already been shown in 2016. It's going to carry on in 2017. I think he's right we are going to see a lot more lagers become the fall beer choice. And there's so many different styles that, you know, that can, I guess, I don't want to say replace, because there are some pumpkin beers that I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, like you said, the Martin or the or the, the Oktoberfest, the, there's so many good ones that come out that time of year that can definitely take up some shelf space that, um, that, I don't know. They just seem they went crazy with the pumpkin beers, especially last year. And um, I, I would really be happy to see something different show up. Um, I, I know a, a brewery near us did did one called the Seasonal Sneak that was in like <laughs> July or August. Oh, yeah. That was a oh, yeah. pumpkin beer. And um, 
yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Just a, a heavier, darker beer is just not good when it's 92 degrees out. Yeah. Um, so we'll go with uh, the second one he was talking about uh, was IPAs will become more juicy, which I know is a phrase that you guys love so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> IPAs will become more juicy, both in hazy and juice flavored aspects. Um, I've actually been seeing this a lot around us now. Um, you know, the, it was kind of a trend with um, IPAs coming out of the New England area, Heady Topper being the big one that uh, I know a lot of people will default to when they talk about a juicy IPA. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know um, here locally I've seen, um, I don't know, three or four of them, and it did. It looked like um, like a, a golden, like a straw-colored orange juice. It looked thick. Like it was oh, – wow. It was very hazy, very cloudy, but you know what? It was still delicious, and the um, the mouthfeel was was really good, um, and it did. It had those juicy tropical characteristics to it. Um, I almost expected to have some pulp in it, from like an <laughs> orange or something, but it was uh, it was really good. It, the the mouthfeel definitely um, definitely changes. You, you go from that uh, that lighter bubbly mouthfeel that you would normally get in like an IPA. Um, and it, it starts to get into like a more medium body in the mouth and, um, the, the flavor characteristics are awesome. Whether you like the term juicy or not, um, the most cases so far, and this is my opinion from, from what I've been trying all the, uh, all of those juicy quote unquote IPAs that you've been, that have been coming out have been pretty good. And I've been enjoying those a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What have, have you been seeing much of those up up your way? I I haven't really found any of the hazy juicy ones, but like the new one the beer I'm drinking right now, the Belgian New Belgium uh, Voodoo Imperial IPA, Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. This is what I would also say is a quote juicy IPA because it the hop citrus and tropical fruit flavors come out like big like big fruit like you're drinking some some juice fruit uh, so I, I i'd call this part of that juicy movement even though the the beer itself is is like perfectly clear there's it's been filtered very well there's no haziness to it at all um but it would be part of that that juicy flavor and i but i'm not seeing i mean i see a few i've seen a few beers that have come out with that more juicy hop flavor uh, i've had a couple that have been uh, real like unfiltered or uh, pulpy type uh, coloring mm -hmm. but i don't know i don't know i i'll tell you i'll be honest with you i'm kind of there's a reason why heady topper they say drink it in the can because they don't want you to uh, see the beer i don't think because when i see something that's that's real cloudy uh, it's it, it makes me worried right away. I don't, I'm not used to seeing cloudy beers unless I'm drinking a Hefeweizen uh, or mm -hmm. a beer that I'm expected to be cloudy. So when I see something cloudy, it makes me worried that, oh, don't, I hope I didn't just dump a bunch of yeast crap into my beer, right? I'm always worried that I, I damaged the beer by pouring too aggressively and getting stuff I didn't want in my glass in my glass. So I'm, I'm not a fan of the hazy beer. Um, only wheat beers should be hazy in my opinion. Well, it's definitely um, it's definitely a noticeable difference. I know what you're talking about with like the um, the yeast uh, at the bottom of a bottle, or or um, what it, 
like the trube. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, um, I know I get that a lot when, when I'm brewing beer at home, like, you know, just kind of leave an inch or two, like an inch at the bottom of the bottle and don't pour that into your glass. But <laughs> me personally, I just go ahead and dump it in. I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely, I mean, it's a huge noticeable difference um, whether you have a little, you know, sediment floating around at the bottom or uh, a beer that is, um, and I hate to even use this comparison because I don't want anybody to sway away from it, but it's almost a milky consistency. Too. Oh yeah. 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 And it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, don't be afraid to try them though, because that you'd probably be surprised at what would, you know, the flavors that are in those beers. Uh, and we keep going back to it, like the tropical juicy, uh, <laughs> the tropical notes in, in, in the, from the hops and, um, it's amazing what what comes out of those hops and they're coming up with a a bunch of new hop strains it seems like every year um and i mean we're even starting to grow them down here in florida which is weird uh but the the different um strains of hops that are coming out every year i mean they're different flavors in in every single one of them and it just it just lends so much to beer just just try them and figure out if find out if you like them (laughs) All right, I'll do that because I, if the trend holds true, we're going to see a lot more this year. So I'll definitely try them as they come. All right, the next uh, item he says is there's going to be a rise in milk stouts, and I I believe this is true. I've already seen in 2016 that there's been an increase of the amount of milk stouts out there. Now, milk stouts is one of those styles that you never really saw you saw from a couple breweries like left hand brewing you know mm-hmm. they have their famous left hand brewery milk stout i guess it's called right mm-hmm. um but you didn't see a lot of it in other breweries uh, because you know the milk stouts tend to be a little bit more sweeter they use that uh, lactose bacillus uh, yeast that ends up or lactose actually well, they, they put actual lactose, lactose in, the in the, yeah they put sugar in the beer to make it more sweet and honestly for many years, I would not drink milk stouts because I didn't like that they were too sweet. Now, move forward to currently 2017, I don't shy away from milk stouts as much as I did because now I'm finding that the milk stouts aren't as sweet as they were uh, previously. And I, I they're putting other flavors in there that kind of uh, shelter that sweetness a little bit, so it's not so in your face sweet. Because I'm not, a, I don't like sweet things. I don't eat candy, cookies, cake, pies. I don't eat anything sweet. I just don't like. And if I do eat, I eat ice cream every so often. But if I do eat something sweet, I immediately need to eat something to counteract that sweetness because I don't like that sweet uh, flavor in my mouth. And that's what milk stouts did for me a lot in in the early days. Nowadays, I'm finding that there's a lot of good milk stouts that are being produced that are just a little bit, I, I think they just take that, that sugar, that lactose sugar, actually um, makes it so it's a little bit smoother finish. It's not as harsh uh, with the with bitterness uh, that you'll have in a regular stout. And I'm, I'm starting to appreciate them. Uh, what about you, Chris? Are you, do you appreciate milk stouts or is something that you wish would just go away? No, I actually, I like those a lot. Um, the, um, you had mentioned left-hand brewing, uh, their, their milk stout nitro 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel that that is one of those gateway beers that could lead someone into the craft beer world, um, especially because you know the nitro doesn't. Um, it kind of covers up that that uh, that bitter roastiness from from those darker malts, and it could really. Um, I I still drink that beer whenever I can, you know, if if I can, if I just kind of have it uh, at the house or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and a lot of my friends love it, especially the fact that you, you know, if you pour it out of the bottle, you just turn the bottle upside down into your glass. And, uh, <laughs> it, uh, my, my brother-in-law, who's a, a sales rep for a beer distributor, you know, he always told me, he goes, the harder you pour it, the better the beer is. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool because it's on, on, on nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. I think, I think that would be a, a good segue for people who are looking to get into maybe darker beers or stouts or things like that. Um, cause those, those are uh, much easier to drink than <clears throat> some of the other stouts that, you know, some people might have. Um, but I, I'm kind of a fan of the milk stouts. I, I I'm kind of opposite of you is I like the sweeter things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's, I don't know. It, I think I think it's a good trend, and I, I hope they continue. All right. Hey, that's okay. I'm like I said. I have uh, I've come to appreciate the milk stout in in 2016. So I'm curious to see if it continues, and if I still continue to uh, like what I what I see. So good. Mm-hmm. So the next one is um, <clears throat> lots of coffee beers in other styles besides stouts and porters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some coffee beers. Um, there's a local brewery to us, and I swear every time I talk to you guys, I, I'm always <laughs> talking about breweries here in Tampa Bay because there, there's so many good ones down here. Um, Three Daughters is a brewery uh, in St. Petersburg that makes a coffee blonde ale. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's it's yellow. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> yeah. It is not uh, brown. It is not black. Um but it tastes like you're drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, well, you know, in a beer, obviously, but uh, it's it's really um, it's really a welcome change, especially if you're looking for a lighter beer uh, that and you really like the coffee flavor. That I think what they do is they use uh, green coffee beans, or I, I mean, I don't I don't know how they do it, but uh, <clears throat> but it, either way, I, I enjoyed it. Um, had so you know let, let's see what let's see what the breweries can do and make some uh make some co- more coffee beers other yeah. than the stouts and porters no i i agree i agree i think the beers i enjoy coffee in my beer uh i really enjoy some of the more now i enjoy the the coffee ipas because it's such a, a shock to my system because you're getting that hoppy ipa with the uh, finish of a of a nice coffee, and that's weird because depending on the hops that they're using, as far as dry hopping or uh, flavorful hopping, that can really either uh, um, I just lost a word I was thinking of. It can, it can help the beer or it can hinder it uh, if it's the wrong uh, hop. And and the perfect example is Java the hop from. Uh, um, Fort George Brewing. I really enjoyed that beer last year. This year, I had it, and they use a different hop. And the hop did not complement, that's the word I was looking for, complement, the 
uh, coffee very well. So it was like the two were fighting each other. I had this hoppy flavor that was battling the coffee flavor, and it just didn't work well. And it kind of saddened me because I really enjoyed that beer in previous years. This year I had a cup of it, and I said, yuck, this this does not go well. They blew it. They didn't – They didn't. Uh, whatever they did, they didn't think it through. And, and the, the hop flavor – was detrimental to the coffee flavor and it didn't it didn't work well. So, but I also had uh, another beer that Tim Price per, you know sent us was from Founders Brewing. They have their Pale Joe, which is a pale ale with a coffee flavor. Just like you said, Chris, it's very light color and then but you so you're drinking it thinking you're going to have a nice light pale uh, easy drinking beer and then all of a sudden you've got that big bold coffee flavor in the finish. Fantastic. Really well done. Uh, the beer that won uh, gold medal over in the Great American Beer Festival was the uh, Georgetown Brewing's G- uh, Gusto Crema, which is a, a blonde ale with coffee in it. And like you said, great combination. I think blonde ales, lighter ales with that coffee flavor really get to showcase the coffee and the malt in the in the beer style that they're doing. So I, I'm looking forward to all the varieties of coffee beers that come out this year, if that trend holds true. Yes, sir. Definitely. All right. The next one is Kolsch beers. And uh, they're saying that this beer is kind of like what you're saying with the milk stout might be a good gateway beer for newcomers to craft beer. All those people that are, you know, that are currently drinking big beer domestic offerings, you know, lagers and pilsners, this might be a style that. Uh, can transition them into the craft beer scene. And I agree. I think Kolsch, Kolsch ales are fantastic. I love them. They're not done enough in breweries. In fact, very few breweries actually do a Kolsch ale. And so when I find uh, Kolsch, I always try them because I always really enjoy them. And I'm looking forward that I'm hoping this trend is true. I hope that he predicts that the Kolsch style will become bigger and it will gravitate to those people who are looking to jump into the craft beer scene from the big beer, uh, and and get in get them in with a, a nice tasty Kolsch ale. Yeah, I love I love Kolsch beers. They're um, <clears throat> they're definitely one of my favorites because they're and they're they're different. I mean, they're not like something that everybody gets all the time, and mm-hmm. I have been seeing them a lot more uh, either on the shelves or from people who are home brewing, and they're just. There's a nice easy beer to drink, and it's um, it's a welcome it's a welcome change. Whether it's you know, yeah, whatever, it's a welcome change. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's, it's a style that's I'm glad to see come uh, into its moment and let you know let let brewers brew some of these different styles for sure. All right, the next one is more fruited sour beers such as the Goza and Berliner Weiss. Um, and we were pretty much talking about that earlier yeah. as the, uh, it's, um, I, I definitely hope that shows up cause you know, it's, um, <clears throat> it's near and dear to me as far as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> expanding my sour beer palate. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it seems like everybody was brewing, um, or at least trying to brew a sour. Uh, I know that was the, that was a big trend whether it be last year or the prior year, um, Gozas and Berliner Weisses, they're, they're a very light, um, <clears throat> a very light beer that I think a lot of people could get into that 
even if they're too tart, um, you can definitely find one that would suit you better. If you, you know, didn't like one, maybe another brewery put out another one that you, um, could find a little more palatable, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of work into that, that sour beer category. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Those two styles are two of my favorite sour styles. I love Goza's. I, every Goza that I see on a shelf, I pick up, I want to try every one. Some are done well. Others like one I had just the other day. Um, it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't on par with what I expect when I have a Goza. I like to have that tartness and I like to have that saltiness and a saltiness has to be the right salty. If you use the wrong salt, it becomes more of like a bitter salt versus a, uh, whatever the salt flavor, a a salty, (laughs) salty salt. I mean, there's a difference between sea salt or, uh, you know, a a rock salt, like a, uh, I, like a sea like salt, a I think. Salt yeah, kosher salt. salt. Yeah, kosher salt or sea salt, I think, make the best uh, gozas. If you use anything else, it tends to make it uh, more bitter. The bitterness comes out, and the saltiness is not doesn't doesn't uh, help the beer. And that's what I experienced. I experienced that the tartness of the beer wasn't all that high, and then the saltiness was the wrong salt. It made it more bitter, and and it was not very palatable. So it. it Breweries have to make sure they use the right ingredients. And another thing is, is that in a Goza, uh, a good amount of coriander goes a long way to a good Goza, in my opinion. I love coriander in in a Goza. That's that's what the perfect Goza is for me. It has coriander, tartness, and the saltiness. And a saltiness has to be of that uh, kosher salt uh, style. Uh, and Berliner Weiss, I, I love Berliner Weisses. I'll, I'll drink every Berliner Weiss out there. As long as it's as not as too, as tart. As too tart. All right. So the next uh, in the list are field beers, and uh, as John mentioned, in a, a, I was this is a, a new style. When we did our Great American Beer Fest, this is one of the styles that we talked about. I didn't know what a field beer was, and a field beer basically is a beer that's made with ingredients that come from a garden uh, or from uh, a forest, like mushrooms or. Uh, legumes or uh, um, carrots, beets, you know, anything from a garden that you add into a beer could be considered a field beer. And they're saying the field beers are going to make an appearance. Uh, so we, this is interesting. Now, I, if, if I didn't have a brewery in the Boise area that was already making field beers – and I didn't even know they were making field beers because it's not labeled as field beers. It's labeled as a Berliner Weiss, but it's a Berliner Weiss with these ingredients in it. I had from Woodland Empire uh, Brew Works here in the local area, small little brewery. They make a, a series of beers that's the Berliner Weiss series. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, they make some very good beers with some odd flavors. I had a carrot one, uh, hmm. and it worked. Uh, you, it actually tastes like carrots. It had a grittiness of the carrots. Uh, the flavor went well with the tartness of the Berliner Weiss. I, I had a beets with sugar, like uh, beets. They had beets in it. I hate beets. But you know what? This beer with the tartness and the beet flavor went well. I actually enjoyed it. I just had one um, just the other night, uh, the same style, the Berliner Weiss from the Willard Empire's uh, Brew Works, Beer Works, or whatever it's called. Uh, 
Uh, it was uh, juniper and rye. Uh, I'll tell you what. This beer, the ju- I love. For one thing, I don't know if anyone knows, but I love juniper. Juniper is one of my favorite things. I love gin with juniper tips in it. I love juniper flavor. I'll drink gin and tonics all summer long. It's my it's my summer drink besides beer is uh, gin and tonics. And I love it with a big juniper flavor. Well, you also know, anyone who listens to the show knows I love rye in my beer too. So this added juniper and rye to Berliner Weiss, which are three of my favorite things. So how could I not grab this beer? Uh, the beer, the beer was actually really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I will admit that I didn't taste the rye character out in front. I'm sure the rye character played some part in the flavor uh, profile, but I enjoyed it. I love the juniper in it. I love the Berliner Weiss. It was very well done. So I've already kind of experienced this field beer sensation without knowing really what it was until recently. Uh, I don't think – this is one thing I'm going to say that this trend, if it does happen, I don't think it's going to be uh, embraced by the majority of the craft beer public you know, uh, community because people don't like seeing weird things. You know, I had a – a friend of mine in Singapore, well, when we visited each other, he, uh, he grabbed a uh, a mushroom stout, a shiitake mushroom stout, and brought it to me. Knowing mm-hmm. I enjoy, uh, you know, beers, he said, here's one that I he wanted me to try. I'll tell you what. Uh, it was, again, this would be considered a field beer. You know, it's a stout style, but it's still using mushrooms. It had that gritty, dirt, dirty <laughs> kind of mushroom flavor in it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it's not something I want to drink all the time. I think the same thing. I don't think people are going to gravitate to eating, drinking beers that have carrots and celery <laughs> and uh, you know things that you know that you're going to find out you know potatoes and such. They're, they're not going to gravitate towards that, in my opinion. What do you think, Chris? You think people are going to gravitate to these field beers, or is it going to be a, a fad that comes and goes real quick? I don't know because they, <clears throat> there are so many different flavors that you could pull out of vegetables or or herbs or i don't know because my brain while you were talking i'm sitting here trying to think okay well beets yeah i could get that because (laughs) you know know, they're pretty high in sugar and they have like a kind of an earthy earthy taste to them carrots yeah i can get that because you can make good juice out of carrots um uh, even with like things like uh maybe like lemongrass or Mm -hmm. basil or um I don't know. There are so many different flavors um, in. I, I don't know. It, it seems like yeah, I would agree with you that there. That's that's one of those weird categories that I think <laughs> would um, maybe turn people away, where people would kind of shy away from it because yeah, it, it's different. It's weird, um, and it probably won't be embraced so much. Um, but I, I have a feeling if people kind of went for it and got a little creative with their, with their beers that there could be a couple of them that, that might turn out well. Yeah. Um, I've had like a, a Thai basil and lemongrass beer. That, that sounds uh, great. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd enjoy that. It, it has some, it had some, uh, like chilies in it. So it had a little peppery at the back of it, but the, the lemongrass and the basil really played well together. Um, <clears throat> and that, that was a great beer. Um, outside of that, I mean, I, I think it's just going to be whatever people get creative with. Um, I know like the people over at Dogfish Head, um, I've visited their their brew pub a couple of times 
and they've they've put some really um, they've put some really unique ingredients together mm-hmm. in their beers, and they've turned out to be really good. So um, the, those uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence about it because it, it could be really good, or it could just be like. It's an interesting flavor, like that shiitake beer you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting flavor. It's good, but I probably wouldn't drink a whole lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. It's uh, it's good. We'll, we'll see how it plays out next next year. This time, let's revisit it and see if we've had good ones. Yeah, that, that's a cool category, though, because I mean, it could really be a lot of different things. That I mean, there'd be so many options that you would have as far as flavoring ingredients for the beer. So yeah, we're excited to see where that could, uh, what that could turn into. <clears throat> um, the next one we were going to talk about was, or out of the article was, oh, dogs are barking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Megan's home. Um, the next one we we're going to talk about, <laughs> she's shushing them at the front door. Sorry. <laughs> um, next one we were going to talk about was uh, dry hopped sours. Um, and they, uh, have you had any dry hop sours, uh, recently? I have, I have had some dry hop sours and I'll tell you what, they are fantastic and I recommend all sours be dry hopped. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've had the same experience with them and, uh, the, uh, it's, it's a great addition to a sour beer, um, because the those those flavors definitely stand out a lot um, when they dry hop with them, and um, I like them. I, I hope that's definitely something that happens a little more in the future. Yeah, me too. I agree. So we both agree on that one, and I think maybe with those dry hop sours, that will even help you gravitate more to the sour beers because you have the good hop flavor that you enjoy in there too. Mm-hmm. All right, now comes a, a one style that uh, that is going to be real tough for you, Chris. I know it. It's well, this one's yours, man. You can you can have this one all you want. I'll okay. try them all day long, but you can have this one. Okay, okay. These are they're, he's labeling these beers gone wild, which I love the label because uh, you know girls gone. Wi- I don't know if you remember the girls gone wild <laughs> sites back in the day, but uh, it made me laugh when I read when I read this thing saying. Uh, beers gone wild. It says uh, he basically he's talking about uh, beers that are made using either wild yeast, uh, spontaneous fermate, fermentation uh, beers, or uh, Brettanomyces fermented beers. So these are the full range of wild, funky beers, and uh, I'm all for it. Uh, now I, there is a caveat: it has to be done right, and if you decide to experiment with these wild ales, I'm talking to the breweries out there, then make sure that the beer that you actually release is decent because nothing's worse than having a bad combination of adding these wild yeast or these funky yeast uh, strains to a beer and having it not turn out the way you wanted and, and giving your consumer crappy beer. And I'm going to, I'm going to list one beer I just had. So uh, I didn't, you know, it's not a noteworthy beer because it's not one that I, I recommend people get. But I did have, uh, last week I drank my second bottle of my Enjoy After IPA. And my, this is from Stone Brewing. And it, this one was the, the Enjoy After 122615. 
and I had the first one I saved. I bought two bottles. I, I had the first bottle after one year of, of aging it, and I did not like it at all. Uh, and I had the second bottle just last week. So two years I aged this beer. And I'll tell you what, uh, it was a little bit smoother, but still not a good beer. Uh, it just didn't work right. I don't know if it's because that the hops that they use in the bittering process were too harsh. Uh, the Budweiser's was actually the 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 flavor came out pretty good. There was a little bit of horse blanket type flavor, and that's what you'll get from some Brett characteristics. It's kind of like a barnyard horse hay blanket wool type uh, flavor. Uh, a, a little bit of it is not bad. Too much of it can really turn you off. So all I gotta say is, if this does become a trend, the breweries need to make sure that when the beer they release to their customers is actually decent beer and not crap because uh, it'll really turn people away uh, from the brewery. So that's my two cents. Yeah, those those beers can turn south really quickly. Um, and the, I mean, just from my experiences, and I'm not a big fan of those those type of beers, but it's a it's a unique flavor. Um, <laughs> people, I know, I know. People say the the horse blanket or the barn floor, or yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever they want to call them. Um, if, if if those bacteria get out of control, it can it can definitely turn into a bad beer really quickly. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, Pilsners will make a comeback is our last one. Um, I've actually really been getting into Pilsners lately. Um, uh, in the last, I'd I'd say within the last year, Mm -hmm. um, I really didn't, um, didn't seek out or, or order Pilsners too much. Like, um, I I don't know. It was just kind of something that I tried. I I remember trying one and just liking it and kind of trying it a little more and, uh, I, I hope they make a really big comeback, like the Pilsners and the different lagered beers and, and things like that that are just uh, – they take a lot more time to, to produce. But um, I, I really enjoy those, that uh, the Pilsners especially. Uh, we've been having a lot of good ones that have been showing up in our area um, that, I've been, that I've been actually ordering on a regular basis. It's kind of a default, so I'm not ordering, you know – uh, a big coffee stout or, you know, something barrel aged or like a heavier beer, just, just something that you can drink on a daily basis and, uh, and, and enjoy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, even up to a year ago, well, this year I've embraced Pilsners more than previous years. Uh, I've had a lot of good Pilsners. I'm actually, I actually enjoy trying Pilsners now because I think that breweries are, are going out of their way to make drinkable pilsners, not the, the same old pilsners you're, you're, you've been used to from old old beer. And, uh, you know, one of the beers I've really enjoyed this year is from Crux Fermentation Project in Bend, Oregon, and it's their Crux Pills. And I'll tell you what, that is a, such a drinkable pilsner. It's not even a hoppy pilsner. Like I, a lot of times I gravitated towards the hoppy pilsners because it kind of that hoppy flavor, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. This Pilsner is a straight-up Pilsner, and I really enjoyed it. And I actually have drank quite a bit of that Pilsner this year, although I never logged it until I went to my Christmas party because I didn't realize I hadn't logged it. (laughs) So normally when I drink a beer 
and I think I've I've already had it before. I won't log it. So um, I I su- surprised myself by, um, you know, by just go ahead and I was going to check in to my Christmas party and saw that it was actually unique for me. So it worked out well. But yeah, I I agree. I want to see more pilsners come out this year. I want breweries to embrace the style. I know it takes more style or more time and effort uh, to to make it and a little bit more money maybe. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and, and bring the Pilsners out for 2017 for sure. And fortunately enough, they, uh, the Pilsner basically goes good with any type of food. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, um, I mean, it's a good default if you're out at a restaurant or things like that. So it's uh, definitely something you could check into and maybe uh, see what's out there. Because I know, like I said, a lot of people around us are, are making them. Um, it may be a little more time to create, but they're – they're good in their own right. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's the end of our first article. We're definitely we're, – we're able to talk a lot on beer, but we'll, we'll go through this next article hopefully a little quicker. Yeah. Uh, this one is from the West Fargo Pioneer, and it's the, uh, the article was written by Dave Hoops, and it's called Forecasting Craft Beer Trends for 2017. And uh, he has a number of, of trends that uh, he's going to talk about, plus – uh, a couple trends he hopes continues through 2017, like we've already talked about. Uh, the first one is reinventing the classic beer styles. He wants to focus on extra special bitter, porter, scotch ales, browns, and mild ales, and especially the old school pale ale and stout. And I can't say more about that. I I think that we need to bring um, some some more emphasis on some of the other styles that are getting neglected since the IPA has been the reigning uh, beer style. I think the extra special bitter, fantastic style. I love ESBs and the Scotch Elf especially. You, I can drink Scotch Elves all day. I love that style, which is weird because, again, Scotch Elves tend to be a sweeter style beer, but it doesn't matter. There's something with it that that just makes me enjoy that, that beer. Uh, and, and brown ales too. I don't think brown ales get enough love. Uh, you know, it kind of falls to the wayside because it's not as bold as a porter uh, and not as light as, a, you know, other beers. But I like a good brown one. Yeah, I definitely agree on that one. Just, uh, the classic beer styles, there are so many different beer styles that maybe a lot of people have never even heard of mm-hmm. um, that um, some, some breweries might uh, give a shot to producing and, uh, I mean, there's so many beer styles out there. I mean, there's hundreds of them. Yeah. You never even know it until somebody, you know, takes a stab at it. So, um, diversification by the big beer giants will continue. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, expect more acquisitions, and it will become difficult to separate independent from national and international without some research. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it seems like AB InBev and and uh, oh, what's the other guy, uh, Miller, Sam Miller, <laughs> SA, I don't know. Yeah, seems like the the uh, Sam Miller. They um, they seem to be picking up a brewery like once a month, or mm-hmm. um, they they picked up the homebrew um, companies the, uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah. They're they're just gonna do their thing, but I think other this other breweries are gonna open up, and I think it's just gonna be a vicious cycle. They're gonna pick some up, some more are gonna open, 
Um, and, I, and I'm with you guys on it. Just as long as the beer is good and the quality is good, I, I'm still going to buy it regardless of who makes it. If I like it, let's drink it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's, and that's all we're going to talk about that because we've already we've already spoken in uh, in long, uh, drawn-out conversations on, on it. But, it, but yeah, I think this trend's going to continue, uh, which is, I don't know. If, I, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, you know, there's... I hope it doesn't uh, become bad for craft beer shelf space. But like I mentioned in a previous show, I don't see it. I see craft beer overtaking a lot of the big beer on the shelf. Even, you know, the the craft, what they call crafty beer. It's not, it's not independent beer. It's made by a bigger beer company that owns it. Uh, even those are not in the front shelves. You know, now they're being put back. Uh, you know, behind the scenes. And I appreciate that. I think some of these storefronts are really uh, trying to promote the craft beer thing. So more power to them. All right. The next thing they say is craft lager beers. Expect more craft lagers to be brewed and not just the, the March and Oktoberfest beers that you see at the fall seasonal, but all kinds of lager beers, the Hellas lager, uh, you know, the, the Vienna lager, you know, all these lager styles that, uh, that aren't as made uh, prominent are going to become uh, beers that I think are going to be brewed in 2017. I agree with what he says. I think that there's a lot of different lager styles out there that breweries can explore and bring the consumer to enjoy those styles of lagers. I love, uh, you know, dark lagers, and I mean, there's all kinds of lagers that, that we need to see more of. I hope that prediction is true yeah me too that's um so we'll go with uh, seasonal new brands and rotating hop beers so seasonal beer as a category has exploded in the past two years and brewers have listened beer drinkers can count on new beers monthly in the market under all kinds of quote seasonal branding I also see brewers making the same beer, changing the hops each time, and using it as a way to show beer drinkers new hop flavors. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like, um, and if this is not what it's specifically talking about, but I really like those beers that the breweries create that are just single hop beers to yeah. kind of showcase uh, one type of hops. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I know uh, Founders does one that's Mosaic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do another one that's called Azteca. So <clears throat> they they can showcase one hop and the, the variety of flavors that can come out of that one hop. Um, it's 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 an an entirely different beer based on which hop you put into it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I I like that a lot. I, I hope that uh, I hope that takes off really well. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, single malt beers are fantastic. A, a brewery can do their their pale ale series and do it with different hops, so it has a whole different characteristic to their pale ale that their that their fans of the brewery have loved, and they can get a different you know different whole flavor profile. And I love the seasonal aspect too. I, I love bringing in seasonal beers, whether it's Oktoberfest beers or uh, you know winter warmer or winter ales or uh, winter stouts, uh, or summer ales, cream ales, golden ales, whatever the summer brings, adding f- different flavors to it. I mean, there's a lot they can do to promote the seasonal the and rotational beers that aren't the same old thing you're drinking all the time. So, yeah, 
I, I've loved the trend so far, and I want to see that trend continue. All right, the other one, next one they say, not hoppy beer. Malty and Belgian styles will continue to climb in sales. Yeah, bring it on. I love, I'm loving the increase in the amount of Belgian ales available and malty offerings. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to, to move away, you know, move forward away from the, the IPA scene. You know, I know the IPA will still have a big amount of following, but come on, let's push forward and not just focus on big hops. I need those malts in there too. <clears throat> um, barrel aging and blended beers. Moving forward, brewer, brewer, yeah, brewers are trying an increasing range of distillery barrels, uh, not just bourbon. Look for tequila barrel, sherry cask, port cask, red and white wine barrel, chambord liquor barrel, brandy and cognac barrels. These beers will be blended or added to young beer to create new flavors and exciting characters. I've kind of gotten to the point now, Denny, where um, I'm about worn out with, with different barrel aged <laughs> beers. But every time I say that, somebody gives me a barrel aged beer and I go, oh my gosh, this is delicious. Let's have some more of it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, there are so many different kinds of barrels that the brewers can be aging beers in that it's. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to say the possibilities are endless, but they're. I mean, put something in a tequila barrel, yeah. barrel or a red wine barrel. Um, I know Green Flash put out a series this past year that was. Um, I think we had one that was aged in. Um, uh, I want to say it was a red wine barrel of some some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fantastic. It's just let's let's see what else they can put out. Yeah. Yeah, I I will say that I think this time last year, I might or at some point during last year, I said I was done with all this bourbon barrel aged stuff. I I had enough. It was too bourbon. It's great, but when every beer is done with it, it gets old. And the bourbon, I don't like it when bourbon flavor takes over the beer and it's not uh, characteristic of the style. And so I, there was a point when I was done with barrel aged beers, but then. They start releasing things in wine barrels and whiskey barrels. I'll tell you what, you put a beer in a whiskey rye barrel, and I'm all over it because it's not as strong of a flavor. It adds subtle characteristics that are enjoyable with the beer, and it still showcases the beer itself and not the distillery or distilled uh, spirits that it, uh, the barrel was aged in. So I'm also with you that I'm kind of tired of the barrel-aged stuff, it needs to be more limited, and not so many varieties of a uh, you know of these barrels from a certain brewery. But I appreciate when breweries are going to be using new types of barrels. I, I I'll embrace tequila barrels. I'll embrace port barrels and sherry barrels. Things that uh, are not usual. And you give me a cognac barrel, hell yeah, I'll do a, the right beer in a cognac barrel. Uh, that sounds very tasty. But again. Like they said at the end of that statement, uh, these beers will be blended or added to young beer to create new flavors and exciting characters. It has to be blended well. It can't be overpowering, or it's going to just be too, you know, too much. So, I, so we're in agreement, I think. Yeah, those bar- barrel characteristics can take over really quickly, 
and uh, the bear the beer just turns into be nothing but uh, a barrel flavor and you don't get any of the characteristics of the beer yeah. that is actually in the barrel <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's a fine line with that yes for sure all right the next one is uh oh do you have something else to say no no go ahead no. Uh, keg and cask infusions. Brewers will start making single kegs of beer, adding fruit or spices at the time the keg is filling. Many fun beers can be created by adding tea, coffee, fruits, and vegetables to a base beer for a fun one-off keg. I, I can dig this. I, I, I think this is something that uh, would be interesting to see how they do it in a very small uh, amount. What do you think? Yeah, the... Uh... The cask and the cask infusions, um, if the, they they can turn into something really spectacular, where they uh, you know they can make a whole event out of just tapping a couple of casks, and uh, they they you know the where they can put you know let's say chocolate into one barrel into one cask or you know put another uh, adjunct into another cask. Yeah. And the, the possibilities are really endless to it. It's pretty pretty neat how they do all that. So, what are the some of the trends that we hope uh, or that he hopes continues to take off uh, would be wheat beers. Um, wheat beers, I, I like wheat beers myself. Yeah, they're, me too. they're pretty easy to drink. Um, he also talked about session everything, <laughs> low <laughs> lower alcohol versions of all beer styles. Yeah. That's that. That's definitely something I hope takes off myself because it's uh, the 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 higher ABV versions of some of my favorite beers. I mean, I, I wish I could drink them a lot more often, um, but sometimes you just can't. Um, collaborations between local breweries to make unique beers. I mean, I, I mean, you. I'm sure they do that up where you guys are. I know they do that a lot here with with some of our local breweries as well. And it, it always turns out to be an awesome, um, an awesome experiment, mm -hmm. um, and locally sourced raw materials. And that's, that's one that's close to, um, what I like to do myself, um, with my background being in food service and being a chef, any ingredient that I can get from, um, a locally sourced, uh, place, whether, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I made a beer that has local Florida honey in it. So, oh, wow. Uh, that's right up my alley. I say, let's go for that. <laughs> All right. So now I thought it would be interesting, Chris, if you and I would share what we would like to see trend in 2017. And I'll start first. So, again, you just mentioned what uh, the article, he, he wanted to see that uh, session everything continue. That's, I, I want to say the same thing. Continue the session beer trend. That's what John and I mentioned in 2016 uh, what we wanted to see in 2016 was to see more sessional beers, beers that we can drink without having to worry about getting wasted when we drink a beer. And I have to admit, it's been very pleasant that we have seen a lot of good lower alcohol beers that we can enjoy and enjoy more than one without worrying about losing our our head. So that that's definitely a trend that I want to see continue on in 2017. Also, I love the fact that they mentioned explore more of the less common styles. I'd love to see more Scotch ales, more extra special bitters, browns, and even maybe add some black ales. You don't see enough black ales out there, and that could be a very good style 
of beer. It's an easy drinking, sessionable ale. So, Chris, what would you like to see trend in 2017? Well, I'm kind of with you on those uh, session beers. Um, <clears throat> I, I'd really like to see the session beers continue on as um, a trend because, you know, like you said, you don't want to you don't want to have a couple beers and just be completely wasted, <laughs> and uh, you know that kind of just ruins your whole night. You know, um, it'd be good to be able to drink a couple of beers and um, still be able to continue on with your day or evening, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm a big fan of the uh, the collaborations uh, point that he brought up. Uh, every time, every time I have a collaboration beer, it's always above and beyond what the breweries normally do to, on their own, um, and it's always, you know, a little extra special, and I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, locally sourcing ingredients is always um, is always really cool yeah. because yeah. Uh, you know it'll be something in a um, in a region that maybe you can't get somewhere else that. You know, just makes that beer stand out a little more. So, those those are the ones that I hope really um, continue in this 2017. Oh, good, good. So, now that we've said what we hope trends uh, continue, what about any? Do you have any uh, 2017 resolution, craft beer resolutions you'd like to hold to this year? 2017 craft beer resolutions is I would really like to. Um, continue brewing more beer. Okay. Okay. Um, I, uh, I started getting into home brewing last year and brewed a couple of good batches and I was really happy with them. And, um, I, I'd like to, you know, maybe expand this into some more styles that, um, are maybe out of my normal, uh, normal realm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When we did an amber ale, like I was telling you before, we did uh, with local Florida honey, which has been well received by everybody who's ever tasted it. And uh, we're just trying some some new stuff now that um, we've had our first batch that we had to dump, unfortunately. Oh, no. But, you know, it's part of the process, I guess. That's right. But, uh, but what about you? Do you have any uh, um, resolutions for 2017? Okay, so... Um, remembering back to my 2016 resolutions, one of my resolutions was to reduce the amount of beer I drank, which I don't think I did very well with that. I think I failed miserably at that one. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? Yeah, no, I I drank just as much as I drank the previous year, I think. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. This year, though, I am going to change it up a little bit. And like we mentioned earlier in the show, that craft beer can be... Uh, rather expensive hobby. Uh, I mean, these when you go get a special 22 ounce bottle, some of these bottles can be if it's if it's a low bottle, it's well if it's a reasonably priced bottle, it's four bucks. If it's a little bit normal price, it's seven bucks. If it's a little higher price, it's anywhere from ten to twenty six dollars for a 22 ounce bottle. And I found myself more leaning towards buying an expensive bottle than not buying it just because I wanted to have the experience that 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 I'll never be able to get that experience again so I I got to a point where it was worth it for me to spend $22 for a bottle of beer because that's the only time that beer will ever be made in my opinion you know they they make a special one-off beer 
that may be the only time you ever get to try it. And I didn't want to miss out on that. So I was falling into that trap where I was spending whatever it took to get the beer I wanted. And this year, I and I've already started last year. I started in 2016. I'm really starting to be choosy and picky on the higher-end beer that I decide to buy. So my resolution for 2017 is to really control my spending on on beer and and try not to overdo it with the 22 ounce bottle purchases that are you know above ten dollars and i'll leave it at ten dollar price range i'll try to limit those to very one you know very few and not you know every month i'm buying three or four bottles that were 16 to 20 dollars a piece that that gets really expensive uh, for 22 ounces of beer Yes, it does. And if if you need an accountability, buddy, you can just text me and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you you buy it or not. How about that? Okay, that will work. That will work. All right. Well, that pretty much sums up the show. I know that we were trying to have a nice short show for our listeners because I'm sure that many of our listeners haven't listened to the last episode because it was it came over Christmas break. And uh, people were probably behind on the podcast, so I was hoping to have a short show. But you know what, Chris? I don't care if it's long because we had a good time talking beer, and I think we had some great conversation. But like all good things, it has to come to an end, so it's time to end the show. But before we end the show, I would like to give you the opportunity to toast someone or something special in your life. Awesome. Uh, I just want to send a... Huge toast out to my friends out at Zephyr Hills Brewing Company. Um, we're part of the Founders Club there. Uh, Robert and Terry Hilferding are the owners there, and they've uh, really made it create an incredible brewery um, that is bringing the community together. And all of our friends over at the uh, the Founders Club that uh, we can have become a lot of our family and friends that we've we've spent well, holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas with. <laughs> all right. So um, beer has brought us all together. Um, so, yeah, that, that's who I would want to send out our, our – uh, that's who I would want to raise a glass to this, this week. All right. Hey, that is a worthy toast. I, I see all the posts on the Facebook and you're untapped, and, uh, and I really – I mean, it seems like you guys have a good connection, and I really uh, am happy for you, and I'm glad that uh, – that you have a craft beer family that you can hang out with and enjoy uh, their success and uh, and bringing up their brewery. I know you were there from the very beginning, helping them build the the set or the the tasting room. So I mean that's that's a lot. I mean you're you're there from the from the ground up for sure. That's a lot of fun. If anyone ever gets a chance to do that, if any local breweries to our listeners ever have like a a founders club where they get the chance to go in and, and volunteer some time. That is probably one of the coolest things ever. That's cool. That's cool. Well, you know what, Chris? Uh, my first toast goes out to you. I want I really appreciate all the help that you provide, John and I, on the Facebook page, and, of course, all your interactions on Untapped and Twitter and everything. I, and, of course, for you volunteering your time and joining me tonight to record uh, our first episode in 2017 thank you and uh prost to you thank you very much i'm 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 happy to do it that's 
John needs to just take more time off. More off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, okay. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, someone's uh, going for your job, so you better uh, come back soon. <laughs> All right. I also want to raise my glass to our buddy Tim Price out in Michigan. As I already mentioned, he went above and beyond. Uh, sent John and I beers from Michigan to try that were close to his heart that he really enjoyed. And I just want to say thank you, Tim. Uh, it means a lot to both John and I. And, and I just want to mention to all of our listeners out there, he sent us uh, a, a couple, all the beers that we received were beers that we had never tried. So that was really uh, nice also. So I got an odd size L's, the Mayan Mocha Stout, which is a chili chocolate kind of a Mexican stout, but this one was a little bit hotter on the heat than most Mexican stouts are. This one had a, a bit of a bite. And even though that's not the style that I gravitate to, I did really enjoy that beer. And it was from Outside L's, which is a brewery I've never had a beer from, so that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, of course, he sent me the Dark Horse Brewing 4 Elf uh, Winter Warmer, which I already talked about. He sent two Founders beers, the Founders Pale Joe, which is that coffee pale, very, very nice pale ale with a, with a very pleasant coffee finish. I really enjoyed that one. And a triple IPA, the Devil Dancer uh, from Founders also. Wow, that was a great beer. I really enjoyed that one too. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate it. And I have to raise my glass to the cast of the 40 cast. Uh, my brother Matt and uh, and Mike, those guys, uh, last few episodes have really, uh, I mean, spoken very highly of myself and John and the podcast and I in their show. And I just want to raise my glass to you guys. Thank you for all the support. Um, and Mike, I'm really, we're really embracing uh, your coming to uh, coming of age into craft beer. You've come a long way in just a a year's time to where you're really enjoying craft beer. Uh, warms my heart. I know John is also very excited. And uh, cheers to you guys. And, of course, I cannot leave out Amanda and Kevin uh, for all the interactions that you guys have uh, provided me on Twitter and Untapped. I really appreciate you guys enjoying the show. Please keep listening. Please write in. Let us know your experiences, your, your beer journey, whatever you want to let us know about. We would love for you to interact on the show. And of course, it's the uh, time of the year where uh, I have spent many, many times away from my family when I was in the military. I just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen out there who are serving and in protecting our freedoms, allowing Chris and I tonight to talk about craft beer, to share our uh, love of this hobby to everyone out there. Uh, without you guys protecting our freedoms, we wouldn't be able to to do this so cheers to you all right and you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes they're located on the show post at openforumradio.com and if you would like to follow us on social media i can be found on twitter instagram and untapped at loose screw and chris how can our followers or listeners follow you uh you can find me on twitter at chris underscore mckenzie 82 or untapped at mck1345 or feel free to uh, interact with us on facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. 
It is last call, and it's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show, and we ask you to please tell a friend about our show and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And remember, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers, guys. Cheers.